Some days I wake up and I'm ultra confident. I'm like, I've got this, I've done it, I'm gonna deliver it. And then other days I'm kind of like, what the hell am I doing? Welcome to NPS I Love You, a podcast powered by Catalyst. I'm your host, Ben Wynn, and this show is all about awesome people, ideas, and stories, all with a customer success twist. On NPS I Love You, I talk to everyone from artists to scientists, CEOs to CSMs, and everyone in between to give you powerful insights that will help you in your career and in life. Matt Mishkovsky is Vice President of Customer Experience at Cision and led customer success at other organizations like SAP, Rant and & Rave, and Autodesk. On this episode, Matt talks about change management, being opinionated, photography, and his favorite podcasts. It's, uh, it's weird times. Yeah, hopefully, and without getting overly political, hopefully our government have got themselves somewhat sorted and we can now start our integration back into some degree of normality. So the children go back to school in about nine days' time, eight days' time, not that I'm counting it. The days of me being a, a part-time teacher, part-time VP of CX, hopefully are coming to an end. <laughs> a pretty similar job. Are you, are you recording? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Seriously, I get more maturity from my kids at seven and ten years old than I do with some of the things I work with. I'm only joking. Oh, no. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Change management is hard on both fronts, but, yeah, I wonder if it's uh, what's harder, changing a 5,000-person organization or, or getting your kids to change their routine. Exactly. But all good. How has it been at uh, at Cision? Because you've been there for, uh, it's been four months now, right? Yeah, yeah, it has been four months. Nice. Um, generally loving it. God, when I said, That'd be awkward. I, I you come on, you're just like, I'm hating it. It's terrible. <laughs> Need to get out of there. You know what? The fact that I kind of paused before saying it, I was like, how's that going to come across? <laughs> um, no, generally loving it. Great people, all wanting to be part of something special. Um, mm-hmm. And that sounds a bit kind of cheesy, but the, the way... The way that I've kind of spoke to them about it is the fact that I feel quite blessed and quite lucky that I've been through similar transformations at other companies that I've been part of. And and you can look back in hindsight and go, wow, those five years at Autodesk, what a time, brilliant, achieved loads, (laughs) made loads of mistakes, had fun, created something, evolved and matured it. And you look back and go, I was so pleased to be part of that. Mm-hmm. But you have to get through it to kind of be able to look back and 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 appreciate it. And that's kind of where I've gone with, with the vision that I've been creating the decision is that it's not going to be easy the next 12 months. We've got lots mm-hmm. of work to do. It's going to be blood. It's going to be sweat. It's going to be tears. There will be bad days, but there'll be a lot of good mm-hmm. days and it'll be fun. But I hope at the end of it, whenever the end is for you and for, for individuals, it may be 12 months, it may be three years, it may be five years, it may be never. But whenever the end of it is for you, you feel like I feel about my time at Autodesk, which is like kind of career defining. So that's how I've kind of I've, I've spoken about it. I love that approach. It's a really nice long term approach. And it, it's like, I think everyone can understand that. Yeah, when you're nostalgic about something, and you look back on something, obviously, when you were in that moment, you weren't like, oh, this is sunshine and rainbows every day. But five years later, you look back and you're like, wow, that was really cool. I love that. So it's it's a really cool idea to sort of go in with the mentality that you're you're shaping the experience that you expect to look back on in five, 10, however many years and feel that same way. Yeah, and I talk a lot about the experience rather than just the results and the outcome because actually mm-hmm. the journey is the fun bit. Um, mm-hmm. And um, my team know this. We've we've had a, a couple of our, our quarterly all-hands calls now 
and I talk a lot about the messy middle. So if you know your project management methodologies, you talk about kind of your start. But yeah, I don't either. But I've just got this one slide that I really like. Um, so the, the messy middle, effectively, you know, you know your start point and you know your desired end point, and that's not that's not linear. That's not a straight yeah. line. So I've literally just got my mouse and kind of like on a slide just scribbled everywhere. And I was like, yeah. this is what it'll be like. And it'll be, it'll be days where you think actually we're making really smooth progress here. And this is, this is all great. And then you'll take two steps back and, mm -hmm. and something won't work or you'll make a mistake or something won't go as planned. So that bit between the start point and the end point is the messy middle. And, and that's not straightforward, but as much as that's the challenging bit, it's also the fun bit. Definitely. And and the other hard part of that, at least I find personally, is, is keeping that endpoint in mind. Because I get so distracted by all the things along the way where I'm like, oh, here's something cool we can do, or here's someone we can partner with, or here's this other idea. And then it either, you know, the endpoint stays where it is, but now I've got, I've added this extra convoluted loop that I now have to get around to get back to the endpoint, or the endpoint shifts and then it's like, some due date or something. And I'm like, oh, shit, I, I didn't do that thing that I actually set out to do in the first place. One of the, the lessons I learned through my time at Autodesk, and I do talk about Autodesk a lot, it, as I think I've referred to it as kind of a, the defining moment in my career, and I really see that for lots of reasons. But I had a great leader there, a guy called Roberto Sagona, and he used to talk a lot about using a, a, a kind of a, a yachting analogy, how, again, you know your start point, you know your end point, and the conditions between there, you have to change tack. So if the wind drops or picks up, you have to adjust. And if something else changes circumstances, again, you have to change your approach. Now, the start and the stop point don't end, but you have to be able to navigate those those changes in circumstances. And some of those will be within your control and some of those will be out, outside of your control. But ultimately, the, the end point doesn't really, doesn't really change or shouldn't really change. It shouldn't change. I hope I get... Uh... Rich enough at some point to use yachting analogies that I can personally relate to in my, in my uh, work. I, do you know what? I, I, I keep calling it like boating or shipping or I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm not even sure what the right terminology is, but um, apparently it's yachting, I think. Yes, I or sailing. Yeah. Or maybe it's yeah. sailing. I, sailing. I, I mean, I, yachting is just fancy sailing, yeah, right? That's, yeah. That's all the, yeah. Yachting um, sounds like someone does it for you. Yeah, it's true. It's their job to navigate. Bring me some champagne. Bring me some food. That's um, the customer experience just, I yeah. want. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. A yacht party for customer success professionals. Hey, I'm going to work on that. I'm going <laughs> to add it to the list. I've got this dream list of, you know, when, when I can justify multi-million dollar budgets for community at Catalyst and... Man, we're going to have some good times there. You've got a pretty long list of things you're meant to be delivering on. If I've uh, listened to all your podcasts, your your list is getting longer podcast by podcast in terms of what you're asking for. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's uh, it all adds up. Every every new idea, like I said, it just, just but it's always for me the challenge. One of my just personal challenges is always making sure that I I keep the endpoint in mind and I don't. I even I printed out my you know our OKRs and how that breaks down for the quarter on my desk so that. When things come up, I can be like, does that tie into A, B, or C? No, okay, I'm not doing that now. Shelving it, or yes, great, let's do it. Because it's the only way that I actually get anything done. Well, if I look over my left screen, mm -hmm. I uh, I have my V2 mom, if you're familiar with the, the V2 mom methodology. I'm not. Oh, I'll have to do a little sell on it. Um, so, yeah, v <laughs> so, so V2 mom, and it's not a decision 
methodology, but it's something that I'm very comfortable with. So if you're familiar with Mark Benioff, the CEO and founder mm-hmm. of Salesforce, his view very early on was that a, a business plan needed to be short, sharp, concise, and something that everybody within the business can mm-hmm. Can relate to and get behind and his view is that most of these business plans are highly complex multi-pages and the more they get kind of filtered down the organization the more that people become unfamiliar and disconnected from them so the idea sense. is that a business plan should only be on one page so he created this v2 mom model so the v2 is vision and values the mom the m-o-m-p piece is methods obstacles and measurements so it's a one pager and that's what i did when i joined decision for my cx organization so they get clarity around what we're trying to do they have a one page v2 mom that keeps us keeps on track for that north star and it's it's a little bit more complex than that but just to your point it's something that i've got here on my pinboard that i'm like okay what can i relate to what is that vision that we're working towards does it does it link to that yes great let's carry on double down no, it doesn't. Actually, it, it, it might have to wait. Makes a lot of sense. I can only imagine how difficult it is to sort of get that, you know, something that's decided at maybe an executive level about the direction for the company or vision. Because I think I read that you guys are, are 5,000 people across 24 countries or something crazy like that. So from that board level or the executive level to frontline staff and, and individual contributors and, and having it resound in the same way where they get it and behind it, uh, that must be a huge challenge. It is, and and I'll be very honest with you. I think that's one of the one of my early observations joining Cision that people needed some greater clarity mm-hmm. around the direction we were going in as a business, and and the, critically the part they play in that. Again, without kind of going into ultra cheesy mode, I think people need to be part of that journey. They need to mm-hmm. they need to come with you, and and again, when I talk about change, you're either part of the change or you're against the change, and that sounds really harsh. But I think the reality is that you will get people that come to that decision themselves at at different speeds. And some people will be highly invested in it very early, very excited, and and they're they're on the bus. They're they're part of that change. Others take a little bit more time to work work through that process of deciphering what you're saying. Is it something they buy into? Are you somebody they can trust? And they may, at a latter stage, be part of the journey. But they just need to take a bit more time to to decipher it all and then there will be people that potentially it's it's not right for them either they don't buy into it it's not the direction they want to go either career-wise or or, or company-wise they might prefer the stability that comes with a company that that doesn't maybe have continuous change we are embarking on a period of continuous change so if you don't like change this probably isn't the, the, the right place for you at the moment and that's that's one of the things i talk a, a lot about being being part of the journey Definitely. Really important. And, and the earlier that and the clearer that it can be communicated, the sooner people can make those decisions, sort of the better off everyone is, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine that that's a really challenging element. I'm curious how you think about approaching that sort of change management at that level and, you know, the fear of failure and taking on a role like that where you are, it's not like you're coming in as, you know, new VP of CX and everything's hunky-dory, just keep things going as they have been. You're coming in to make improvements, to make changes to to the organization. At an organization that size, I just can't can't wrap my head around how, how I wouldn't be terrified of like, how the hell am I going to do this? You know what I mean? I mean, it's a, it's an intro, interesting one. I think if you're if you're asking people to change behaviours, are, are you asking them to change the way they're doing something, or asking them to do something brand new? Now, I think if you're asking them 
to do something brand new, that 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 is more challenging. Um, it's something they haven't done before, and if you're asking them to change a way of doing something, they're familiar with that that change. They've started that that journey of thinking about it, and and I I try and simplify things as simply as possible. And the way that I was talking about it was, and I remember this from a, a change management course I did many years ago, when someone asked me to go and learn to brush your teeth using the opposite hand mm. than you usually do. It's horrific. Yeah, uh, it's, I can just, imagine. it's horrific. Um, and I'm right handed. <laughs> you came back, and, you uh, came back to them six weeks later with cavities and you're like, oh, yeah, I can figure it out. Exactly. <laughs> um, so what's, e- what's easier to do? Is it easier to change brushing your teeth with a manual toothbrush right handed and moving into an automatic one? Or is it, or is it easier to change and start something brand new and brush your teeth left-handed? Right. Well, it's easier to keep doing the, the, the right-handed toothbrush and just have something automated or, or electric. And that's kind of how I think about it. It's just kind of making it easier and, and trying to simplify it. I, it shouldn't be as complex as sometimes I think people people make it. And it's, it's breaking it down into small steps. Um, I think that kind of that agile methodology, I think people talk about it a lot. But it is just breaking it down into small steps. Stop seeking perfection. Um, continuous iteration. Continuous incremental improvements. Collaborating. Those are the, the ways that I just look at it. It's as I said. I don't want to overcomplicate it for me or for the people that I'm trying to sell. Why we need to do this. Simpler is is always better. You've done this a, a few times now. I mean, you, were, you mentioned Autodesk being a, a huge part of your, your career. And then you're recently at, at, at SAP before Cision. Do you still get, like, are you fully confident now when you go into a role like this where you're just like, I got this? Or do you still sort of get that imposter syndrome? Like, can I really do this? That kind of anxiety. Honest answer? Depends what day it is. <laughs> Some days I wake up and I'm ultra confident. I'm like, I've got this, I've done it, I'm going to deliver it. And then other days I'm kind of like, what the hell am I doing? And I'm not sure there's any logic behind how I feel about it and why I feel about it. And I know, I guess, I know that I'm a a decent customer success professional. I have done it um, and been there and done it. There are definitely not many leaders in the UK that have my level of experience and, and knowledge. So I'm confident, I'm competent talking about customer success and delivering it my confidence comes from my experience and my knowledge but one of the things i have learned through a role that didn't work out for me as i would have hoped was based around the fact that what works at one company doesn't work at another customer success is not a a box shift it's not hold on customer success at autodesk i can put that in a box and take it to my next role at Random rave and everything that I learned there is going to be applied and work here that was a real brutal learning for me that that customer success is different at different companies and and therefore you've kind of got to figure it out so so yes I've got the fundamental skills and the fundamental knowledge about all of the things that we talk about in the customer success world day in day out from segmentation to high touch this and low touch this and I, I get all of it but actually how do you apply it in your unique situation is the key part of it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. So that's one of the scary slash exciting things I think about joining a new company. It's like, how much of what I know and think will be relevant? How much will I have to learn? What can I change? And yeah, it's definitely definitely a good and important learning. Before coming on, I'd ask you, I'd asked you to, uh, to send me an un- unpopular opinion that you hold. And you told me that 
in CS, we don't have unpopular opinions. We just say it depends. And after doing our debate project a couple months ago, I got so many messages from people saying, I don't want to choose. It depends. It depends. Please let me select. It depends. And we made people pick a side. So I think that that is a natural tendency for, for people pleasers and for CS people who do have really empathetic minds. But I also, I just love when people are really opinionated. And so I'm wondering what you think about that. Like, do you think it's a good thing that, you know, we're all sort of, it depends, or do you think that we should be more, I'm going to take a stance. This is, this is what I believe for this situation. I think it depends. I know, I'm only joking. <laughs> you, you know what, Podcast when, is over, Matt. When, when I was reading some of your notes last night, I was like, I've got to say it depends when you ask that question. <laughs> exactly. um, no, I don't think it's a good thing. And I think most of the time it's due to a fear of maybe being seen as, as weak or as maybe going against the masses which can be can be seen as a bad thing or um taking on maybe a more perceived knowledgeable person i don't think it's a a good thing that people respond with with the depend piece but i think the key the key aspect for me is there's a willingness to learn and open your mind Mm -hmm. and everybody carries the ability to change their opinion and and again i was thinking about this because every now and again i look through some of my blog posts that are either on linkedin or my website or i listen to a podcast that i might have done five years ago and i'm like what the hell was i talking about (laughs) i mean i'm an idiot i don't believe any of this now yeah but that doesn't mean my opinion wasn't wrong then yeah it's just that my opinions changed through what i've learned so So actually, if you have got an opinion and it is different to someone else, that's not necessarily bad. It's not necessarily good. It's just your opinion in that moment based on the knowledge and insight you have. And I mean, things like should customer success be charged for or do you? That's the one that comes up, I think, regularly in in a number of these debates. In a contract with a customer, should they be paying extra for customer success? And, And I've worked for SAP and Autodesk where customer success has been paid for. And I get that, and I was really behind it. And it's and it's not customer success that's being paid for. It's a, it's an offering, mm-hmm. and so. I, but that's that was all I really had exposure to. So I was firmly in the camp that was like, of course you've got to charge for it. Otherwise, people don't see a value associated with it. But then I've kind right. of moved decision, and it's something that is a value add. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of changed sides now because it doesn't work for us at decision. We're not at that position yet where we can where we can entertain it. So you have an opinion based on your situation at any given time, based on the, the, the information and knowledge that you've built up. So I think people should have the, the, the conviction of going with their argument, but having the ability to change it as and when they decide to. Well, I think you're wrong. No, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I think. I think. Uh, yeah, you put you put it really well. And I think you know, at least when you have an opinion, when you have a clear opinion to start with, it gives you that like, here's where I'm starting from from my perspective. Here's where you are starting from from your perspective. And then that's why I like doing the debate podcast because it's like over the course of the conversation, we get to uncover. Okay, this is why this person thinks this and this person thinks that, and maybe we can figure out where those diverge and what they agree and and it's interesting to then unpack that but you need to have an, a, a strong opinion i think to start with so was it alex and shari that, yeah. that did and i think that was knowing both of them relatively well and both of them are quite strongly opinionated that was as close to 
a debate yeah. as I think we were going to get. Oh yeah. So that was that was quite cool. Yeah, I have to pick the right people for the debate podcast because uh, you know no one in CS likes to disagree with each other. No. One of the things I was curious about when I was shamelessly stalking you was uh, <laughs> that you started your career at Kodak, Ilford, Calumet. My partner's a photographer. We do film photography. So I'm curious, if is that a hobby of yours? Was it a hobby? Uh, or was that just sort of a, a side interest that you started out in? My grandfather was a photographer. So I, was, I would go and stay with my, my grandparents. He had a dark room. So if anybody really knows photography, they'll actually know what a darkroom is because most people nowadays think actually you take a photo, you put your memory card in your, your Apple and whatever, and I'm like, that's not photography. Photography is the moment where you kind of take your film and you put it in your, your canister and you go into a darkroom and you've got no idea whether you've got any photograph that is worth anything <laughs> that is going to come out. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so, so I was brought up um, around my grandfather that did real photography and... Loved it. The smell of the chemicals from his yeah. dark room was brilliant. Then I went to college and was choosing my A-levels. And the college did photography. And I was like, brilliant. I'll, I'll do English and I'll do history. They're my two boring subjects I'll do. But I need something fun to do as well. So, so I did photography and, that, and I loved it. And had a great idea that I was going to go on to be a photographer. But I very quickly worked out that actually you have to do a lot of well a lot of unpaid work and a lot of poorly paid work before you get yeah. anywhere near where you want to be and I was like yeah I'm not sure I can stick that so I kind of went down a, another path almost by coincidence where I, I took a job at Kodak to work in their customer service department I mean it was standard customer service it was people would ring up they would place orders or they would complain about something and that was going to be a year out before I went to university and I, I, I got into Kodak and uh, my career just kind of took off a little bit from there. I, I, I loved talking about photography. It was something I loved, I had a passion for. And then I started seeing a kind of a career path coming from there and, uh, and I went into a sales role there and really enjoyed that. Then I went to work for Ilford and for those of you that are familiar with the, the photographic companies, Ilford was a, a film and paper company that was was a specialist in black and white photography yeah. which again for me so is yeah. the purest form of photography yeah. we're going to get really deep on it um and i loved working for for, for ilford and i worked with them for a while and, and calumet was a, a photographic wholesaler and enjoyed them so it was kind of a combination of of a passion but getting paid and um with the aim of maybe something happening in the future and it didn't really kind of go the way that maybe I thought it might or maybe hoped it would but it was a great kind of um first few years as a as a career i guess really cool so i i still take photos i, I take a lot of photos of my friends kind of kind of joke and wind me up with the amount of photos i post on instagram <laughs> and stuff everyone's unfollowing you on facebook yeah well i actually do you know what that was um one of my goals from this year was uh to come off facebook to help my, uh, my, my mental health and my mental well-being, Facebook wasn't a place I felt that I could, um, yeah, I could tolerate any longer with yeah. so much kind of negativity in the world, whether it was Brexit, whether it was the pandemic, whether it was other things. I just thought I don't need Facebook in my life. So, um, so I probably came off that before people started unfollowing me. But, but yeah, love photography. Still enjoy taking photos. Don't really get as much time as I would like to go and do real photography. But, 
but still still love it. Got plenty of books behind me of uh, of photographs as well. So, yeah. Oh, nice. I'd love to see. I uh, should send me if you have any. Do you have any of your uh, grandfather's photos? Do you know what? That's a really good question. Because um, he would have been I, shooting on eight by ten or four by five or something like that. No, mo- most of his was still the thirty-five mil um, okay. stuff. What, funny enough, the my UKMD is a is a massive photographer as well, and we were um, he's got all his cameras on display behind him. So when we're having a catch up, I'm looking at his cameras. And my my first camera was um, an Olympus OM1, which I don't know if it means anything to anyone, but it's uh, just a very basic manual camera where you control the light and the the the, the depth and um, I said real photography. So. Um, he gave me that. That came from my my grandfather. Um, so I've still got some of the basic cameras that um, I still love and look at. But it's just so easy and convenient. With I've got a digital camera that I use now, and you've got your my Samsung Galaxy. I've just got a new Galaxy, oh, the S twenty one. S twenty one, yeah, which is just brilliant. I mean, Takes some of the cameras. Of the moon, like, it's right just crazy. Yeah. And I was talking again. Talking. So this is is this a photography podcast? I'm yeah, kind of yeah. sure. No, okay, no cool. we've kind of derailed it completely. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I, I remember working at Kodak, there was kind of the first digital backs that used to go on the back of a Hasselblad was being mm-hmm. sold at like 50,000. And oh I look at God. it now and it would be like, and it was like two megapixels or something. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm looking at a camera now and I was like, I, no one would pick up, uh, sorry, a phone now. And you, you wouldn't pick up a phone that's got two megapixels, never mind a camera. So it's just, um, it's just crazy. But yeah, they sell, um, yeah, it's completely a photography podcast now. They do sell backs because we, we shoot uh, large formats, so we're on 4x5 um, and hopefully 8x10 soon. But they sell digital backs that you can put on that scan the yeah. image, invert it. and But I think they're like 10 grand even yeah. now. And it kind of, again, takes away from the, the purity of, of it as an art in some ways. So it's, uh, but it's, it's so much fun. I love old photography and, uh, it's been a really cool hobby and especially during, well, and, and like you said before about the, uh, the developing film where if now the, the one silver lining is we're hoping with this move, the, with the move to New York, since property, uh, since rent has come down so much, we're hoping we can get a two bedroom or a two bathroom right. and convert one bathroom into a dark room and start doing that. But it's uh that's a, that's a lofty goal. A two bedroom, two bathroom in yeah. New York yeah. used to be about $80 million. Yeah. And yeah. now it's yeah. like half that. Whoa, I, so I, I remember when I first started, um, trying to buy a, a property in London when I when I lived in London I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get somewhere where I can convert a dark room it's like what was I thinking thinking that I was gonna be <laughs> exactly. able to kind of afford something more than a, a kitchen a living room and a bedroom in London so yeah yeah that that never really happened and um are you right in London now do you live in no uh... I, I, I live in a I live in a place called Milton Keynes which um is about 70 kilometers north of London it was a purpose-built city 50 years ago for the overspill of London. So it's built on like a grid system, like a lot of the, I guess, the US kind of um, places. So I, I just, the way that I explain it, it works. It works for me with a young family, good infrastructure, good schools, good transport links, um, good mixture of city life and greenery and countryside. And that's a two minute walk away from me. And then two minutes the other way, you're in a city with restaurants and bars and all the things that, um, I used to do before having kids and all when papers life was and good. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please, wife, don't listen to this. Please, wife, don't listen to this. Well, so, so that's your podcast walk. So besides NPS, I love you, of course. Which podcast do you listen to? Would you recommend any to, uh, to our listeners? Oh, great question. And I think, I think I have to be honest with you. I think, I think I've said to you, um, 
it took me a while to kind of not discover your podcast, but actually f- find space in my busy kind of podcast diary to to get through to it. Um, and I was so so glad I did. And I remember the first episode with one of your co-CEOs, and I can't uh, forget which one did it and which one yeah, they were talking about. Edward about so, Kevin, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, wow, that that's brilliant. And I I think I went through about eight episodes in kind of two walks. Um, so what, what am I listening to? I am, so there's a, there's a UK podcast called The High Performance Podcast, um, and it's hosted by a well-known television presenter in the UK uh, alongside a psychologist, and they interview a variety of sports people, business people, actors on what they believe a high performance lifestyle looks like so i love that that's great are there any habits you've picked up from that that you've you've adopted do, do you know what i know i didn't even give you these questions i was, I was about to say that wasn't on the brief that <laughs> i kind of was talking over last night um there's there's probably lots of things to, to be fair i think interestingly the, the the social media piece speaking about facebook mm-hmm. um it's interesting how many people have come back to that people either being very particular about what social media they engage with and it's not kind of blanket all of them so there is a lot of people um that are kind of picking and choosing what social media channels they want to engage in and what they don't mm. and there's a lot of kind of talking around the mental health piece and the, the impact it has on you there so i was listening to there's a there's a british boxer called josh warrington that was the episode i listened to this morning and 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 he was talking about living the instagram lifestyle because you can look at any famous person and their Instagram lifestyle that they've got a photographer taking photos of them, yeah. documenting their daily life. And you think, wow, that, that's amazing. But that's not the reality of it. So you just got to be very careful around kind of the social media piece. So so that was something. The social media one is, is a really good point. I mean, I think the only reason I still have, I mean, I deleted everything and then I had to sign back up in a very limited way so that I can manage some stuff for Catalyst. So technically I still have these accounts, but they're fully private. There's no content on Facebook or Instagram. And it's been such a nice positive change. Like it's a more time back in the day, but just not seeing other people like I don't care about. Like it's, you know, even like the family stuff, it all gets DM to me. I see it eventually, but it's been just so nice to, it's helped me focus more and just be more present and, you know, and I talk about it with my partner because as a photographer, he ha- sort of has to be on Instagram because that's how artists are, you know, that's how you connect, that's how you all this stuff. But I also see, we also talk about the negative side because it's sort of a necessary evil for him. And I feel lucky that in, in our industry, we're able to sort of be like, no, I'm just going to do some LinkedIn, which fortunately, you know, LinkedIn hasn't gotten, at least you can configure it. So it's not going to drive that FOMO and drive this like, addiction or anything like that it's probably the best and my and there, it has its problems but it's still probably my my favorite social platform yeah i agree so uh, i was talking yeah. to i was talking to miranda about um linkedin yesterday and i know miranda was i know we were joking a little bit while we were exchanging emails last night I was like, miranda was telling me this story i was like i'm sure i've heard this story before somewhere she's like <laughs> yeah it was on the podcast with ben i was like yeah, yeah that'll be it then and we were talking i yeah I, she was saying she loves linkedin still sees it as a great platform to engage with people and i I do i'm a massive fan of it and it hasn't luckily gone down the route of some of the evils that that maybe you see with and i think facebook is probably the most probably facebook and twitter are probably the two that um potentially the most toxic but all all good yeah let's keep uh yeah we'll keep our hopes up for linkedin my my qualm with them now is because of all the content we're putting out i really want them to add the laughing emoji yeah because right now you can't react on linkedin with the laughing emoji so that's my 
that's what I'm going to start taking after Perry and, and uh, Dan Hayward and all the, those guys to to petition them to, to add it to the yeah. to the tool. Good. Good. We'll uh, put that plus one next to me then. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll circulate a petition. This is my new priority at Catalyst. My last question for you today, because I, I asked uh, Brian LaFile this on, on his episode, and I loved his answer, and I've actually used, gotten a bunch of people this now. So same same question for you is, uh, or similar question, what is something that you've bought for under $50 on Amazon that you would absolutely recommend other people buy? <laughs> this was a horrific question to ask me. Um at least and, I sent this one to you ahead of time. Yeah, you, you have no idea how much research went into me answering this question. <laughs> so last night, I am literally opening up my phone. So I, I definitely during the pandemic, um, and probably beyond that, I have a relatively unhealthy obsession with just online ordering. My wife jokes about it. I mean, it, it is a bit crazy. And Amazon, definitely. So... So that's one of the problems. But I went into my orders and I was like, okay, what 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 are the things? So I was kind of like going through my orders and I've ordered some great books. I, I've got an unhealthy obsession ordering books as well, which is another problem. I order certain foods that you can't get in the UK. So you can order through Amazon because they can export it from certain places. So mm-hmm. I've some certain foods that I'm like, I was like, no, that answer doesn't work either. Bath salts. I love bath salts. Uh, that's I, I a good run, one. I run a lot. So um, kind of the bath salts that kind of soothe my uh, aching old muscles after after a run. Um, Alexa plugs. I'm, I'm turning my house into this kind of Alexa kind of den. But my answer is <laughs> <laughs> my Alexa controlled oil diffuser. Oh, wow. That's next level. But it has to be the Alexa controlled one. It has um, to be. Yeah. No one's allowed to buy buy the non-Alexa one. No, exactly. And I, I've told my wife I'm upgrading the non-Alexa Alexa one to an Alexa one. <laughs> we didn't go down well either, funny enough. But Top priority. I mean, yeah. hey, it's the, it's the pandemic. It's all good. Everything. I want to know what Brian said. He said the clip-on ring light for your laptop. So it's uh, it like clips onto the top and it's like okay. a mini ring light that's, yeah. that's, you know, the size of, you know, a little bigger than your yeah. palm. And it just, no matter where you are, it just gives you like a really nice light when you're on camera. And it was like, I think $25. So really good uh, gift for people and, and uh, tool to have around. Okay. I've actually got one of those. Bought it, bought it from Amazon as well. Nice. So there you go. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, Matt, we're, we're at time, but this has flown by. It's been so much fun chatting with you. And I really appreciate you making the time to come on. No worries. Thank you for the invite. I um. I said it's such a unique podcast that you have in terms of kind of the humor that you bring and still great insights from great guests. So um, I hope someone gets at least one thing out of the podcast from me today. Alexa, control the oil diffusers. (laughs) 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 Awesome. Thanks, Matt. No worries. Take care, Ben. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a review and share this podcast with a friend. If you want to learn more about Catalyst, visit catalyst.io. Until next week, I'm Ben Wynn, and this was NPS I Love You. P.S. I love you. <laughs>